Hi, I'm Erica Keswin. Welcome to season four of Left to Our Own Devices, the show that explores how to bring our human to work and to life. Because left to our own devices, we're not connecting. Gary Ware, the founder of Breakthrough Play, is a corporate facilitator, keynote speaker, certified coach, and self-proclaimed creative catalyst. Gary has over 14 years of experience in the corporate world holding various leadership positions. After experiencing burnout in his pursuit of success and happiness, he started doing improv and realized that what was missing in his life was play. Gary now uses the power of applied improvisation and other forms of play to help people in unlocking creativity, confidence, and better communication. Gary was recently featured as one of the top 100 HR influencers of 2021 by Engagedly HR Software Platform. When Gary isn't leading workshops or speaking, you can find him learning magic or off on an adventure with his wife, Courtney, and son, Garrett. So Gary, welcome to the podcast. Great to see you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. So this fourth season of the podcast is about now what? We are now going into year three. And I think a lot of people have been having a very tough time, you know, thinking we should have been past this by now. And so some of the questions that I want to talk to you about are how can we as leaders support employees and ourselves as we go into this third year? You know, I got to know you, I saw your TEDx about how play saved your life. And can you talk about how, after you started experiencing burnout, you know, how did that impact you? And how did you realize that what you were missing in your life was play? And then the follow-on to that will be, how do you help companies use play in some of their challenges right now? Let me set the stage. At the time, I worked for one of the largest digital advertising agencies as a VP of paid media. So the vibe was you sleep when you're dead. (laughs) Hey, you know what? We're here to work. We're here to work hard. It was interesting because it was work hard, play hard. However, there was no plan (laughs) at all. When you work a 12 hour day and then you go home, the last thing you want to do is do anything other than sleep. Right. Work hard, play hard without the play. (laughs) It doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So it was work hard, work hard. So I just found myself feeling like one of those old school iPhones that by 11 o'clock, it was completely depleted. And I just thought that was the norm. And then I started asking myself questions. I'm like, am I broken? What's going on? Like, why do I not even have the drive to do anything? I didn't know much about burnout. I didn't know some of the signs and red flags of burnout. But the saving grace was when I, by the suggestion of a mentor, took an improv class. And some people may be thinking, what improv class? What does that have to do with learning how to play? The interesting thing is, if you're not familiar with improv, uh, most people have seen like whose line is it anyway or anything like that's essentially what it is. It's like an ensemble get on stage and without a script, they tell stories. Mm -hmm. Well, in order to get to that level, you have to train yourself to be a little bit more spontaneous. So this improv class that I took was essentially two hours of pure play. We played these silly games that reminded me of camp games, you know, things that you would play in camp that kids would play. But the magical thing that happened was, especially after that first improv class, I went home and I felt a feeling I hadn't felt in a long time, uh, joy. Mm -hmm. 
And my wife, to be honest, she thought I was drunk after that first improv class. And she was like, uh, have you been drinking? I was like, no, I haven't. And so that was the catalyst. That was the thing that led me to understand that there was something missing mm-hmm. in my life because after that, everything else was the same. Clients were still the same. The workload was still the same. I just had this, it was almost like my pilot light was out. That improv class relit it. Right. And so that forced me to want to find more of that. I love it. And I want to talk in a minute about how you are bringing this to companies. But I want to pause for a second and ask, you mentioned that you were burning out and it's hard to figure out the signs of burnout. And I want to just pivot a little bit on that because I'm hearing that from leaders that I'm working with, that they know that there is burnout out there. But how can leaders today identify those signs of burnout, you know, beyond things like people staying home and a lot of turnover, people quitting the great resignation, the great reshuffle and all of that. Any insight for leaders listening that they can take from you? One of the biggest things is with the people in your care, are they losing that sense of responsibility? It just seems like it's just blah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's not like people are saying, you know what, I'm going to be the worst employee ever. (laughs) You know, yes, we get some of those outliers, but most people, they really care about the work. They care so much about the work that they overwork. And especially in the current environment that we're in as of this Mm -hmm. recording, where we're trying to, you know, figure out like, all right, are we going back in the office? Are we staying home? There's a lot of other stressors that are pulling down on us. We don't realize that, oh, all right, I'm maybe working too much, you know, because it's just easy to slip out of bed, slip into a Zoom meeting, you know, you're in front of your computer for hours on end, and then all right, you know, now I need to cook or now I need to take care of other things. And then before you know it, the week's over and it's just this blur. So as a leader, you can start to, you know, understand, you know, are people showing up to meetings just not uh, feeling like they're, you know, or not bringing their whole selves. And it's, I don't think it's intentional. It's just, you know, when you're running at that level for so long, Mm -hmm. you start to deplete, (laughs) deplete yourself. You know, are people being a little bit more cynical than before? Those are some of the early signs that people may be starting to burn themselves out. Well, you know, what, what struck me in what you said was, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt that most people do want to come in and do a good job. So perhaps if you have an employee that all of a sudden isn't meeting deadlines, sort of seems blah, not, not, you know, taking the step to to have a conversation and not assuming quote unquote malintent, you know, trying to really understand what might be going on in, in his or her life. You know, I talk about leaders asking the question, you know, how are you really, really doing? And then trying to get underneath it. So, so thank you for that. All right. So let's, so let's continue on, you know, play was missing. You were, were high on life. Your wife thought you were drawn coming out of this improv class. How did you take that and then begin to incorporate that into into your current job, perhaps in, in the advertising world, or then when you when you went out on your own? Yes. So if I could just give a nod to you, what ended up happening was I started creating rituals. Ah, love that. So I love these games so much. And then I started seeing the tie-in between playing this silly game that was about sort of thinking on your feet and how it could apply at work. And loving it so much and and enjoying it so much, that's the beauty of play is play 
is pleasurable and play like when you're in true play, you want to share with other people. So I, as a newer leader and wanting to create an environment where people wanted to come to work, knowing that the work is extremely stressful. We had these downtimes either before meetings or on Fridays and stuff like that. And I would just, my team, I was like, Hey, do y'all want to play a game that I learned in improv class? And then of course people are like, sure. You know, all right. You know, are our <laughs> leaders asking us to play a game? Uh, okay. And what happened was we just like what you mentioned in your book, we started creating psychological safety just by playing these, you know, silly games. We started seeing the purpose of like, Oh, wow, this is actually helping us listen better. This hmm. is helping us connect better with each other. And of course, performance increased, but again, it wasn't like, I didn't know anything about the science at the time. I just, this was fun and I wanted to, you know, share it with other people. Can, can you give us an example of one of the games? Yeah. So we would be, it would be right before, you know, we're about to get on a client call and we would play this game where we would, it's very simple. All, all that you have to do is it's called five things. And so we'll go around and Gary name five things that you would find in your grandma's purse. And then I would go, Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, stick of gum, you know, perfume, butterscotch, you know, $5 in pennies, Reader's Digest. And, you know, everyone goes, these are five things. And then we go around again. The whole point is that we're just naming, you know, five things. It's word association. But one of the cool things about that, that I found later is that it starts to prime your brain to look for connections, to look for these blind spots. And then when we would go into meetings, we would be more open to suggestion Mm -hmm. from our clients. We would actually see ways that we can help our clients. Again, this was just very innocent. I just wanted to play a game. We were a little bit nervous because, you know, this client was one of those types of clients that tends to be more critical. And I'm like, all right, cool. You know, we got to get pumped up before this meeting. So we will play a simple game like that. I have a whole bag of games that, you know, we can play, but that was one of our favorites. And that ritual helped us be more in tune to each other. We're more focused. And then, you know, the meetings went better. And that client, again, that client was still that client, but we left the meeting feeling a little bit more sort of gelled together as a team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I love that. It, you know, it reminded me too of, you know, you have a, a sports team doing doing the warm-ups and the bonding before they get you know, on the basketball court or, you know, on the field, you know, these, these, you know, I often say the, the soft stuff really can be the hard stuff and the important stuff that, that these small things, I I love what you said about all of these, these connections were forming because in a very authentic and inclusive way, everybody goes around and does it. You know, you're like, Oh, you know, I wonder why, you know, his grandma had this in her purse. And my, my guess would be in listening to you, you know, two hours after the meeting, you bump into somebody or you're on a call with them and you probably end up talking about some of the stuff that was in, you know, that, that they said in terms of the five things. And it, and it just creates more opportunities for get, for people to get to know each other as people. And I love, and I, I can sort of feel it as you were saying, the connection that that had with the client. And it was probably because there was this sense of bonding before you even started that call and a sense of the oxytocin goes up, the stress goes down. And I'm sure everybody felt it and led to better business results. Agree. Yeah. And emotions are contagious. (laughs) So if we came in and our sort of 
high vibe positivity outweighed, you know, the client's cynicalness or, or whatever the case may be, they tend to sort of rise at that level. And again, in the beginning, it was just something that we stumbled on. And like what you said in your book with rituals, when we didn't do it, <laughs> did we realize, oh man, oh, we probably should have warmed up before this meeting. <laughs> right. You want to stretch, right? It's like stretching. You might get hurt if you don't stretch. Exactly. Oh, so cool. All right. So my big question for everybody and, and for you is this, now what? I mean, so much of what you did, what many of us did, myself included, was in person, you know, facilitating and connecting and bringing people together in person. And so now, as you know, some of us are remote, some are hybrid, some are working out of a Starbucks, I mean, how do you do what you do with teams and motivate them in the same way online? Because if you, know, you use the word cynical, like people are kind of sick of this game stuff online. You're absolutely right. What I learned in improv is this concept called yes and. Yes and is like the foundation of improvisation, which essentially on stage means that if you, you know, we're on stage together and you say, oh, wow, look at the beautiful sky as a yes and accepting the reality and building on it. I can say, oh, my gosh, yes. And there's the Big Dipper. That is, you know, how we can co-create stories together. In reality, how this translates outside the stage is accepting the reality, the base reality, and how can we build on that? And so I, when I, when the pandemic first happened and everything stopped being in person and virtual, it was challenging. I'm not going to lie. How can we create this intimacy when we are miles apart on camera and people are stressed out? And so I had to reimagine everything. I had to say, I did like essentially dissect all of my activities and say, all right, what's the purpose here? Can this work in a virtual environment? Mm -hmm. But in the spirit of yes, and I would go into these meetings and I would just be quite frank with them. And I'll say, look, I get it. You've probably been on Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. And the last thing you want is to do some silly games. And and I would just call, call out, you know, the current environment. And by doing that, I feel like there creates this level playing field of like, all right, cool. <laughs> You're not trying to like sort of sugarcoat this situation, like nothing wrong, you know, is, is going on in the world. So that was the first thing. And then the next thing is I like to say the whole point here is creating a sense of intimacy because when you create a sense of intimacy, that's where the oxytocin happens. That's where we get the dopamine and the endorphins and then we can focus and yeah, some of these games are silly. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. They're like, we're doing some silly stuff, but that's where the psychological safety comes in is because we're all doing it together. We're all <laughs> in this together. And once people start to realize like, all right, cool. All right. I see my boss doing this. I'm doing this. Okay. Let me just let my guard down. What else does this guy have to have to say? And then we can start to make progress. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yes. And people will say, oh, do we really want to do this? You know, remotely, I'm so sick of it, I'm burned out. And you say, yes, I know. And (laughs) here's a lot of what you can get from it. I mean, do you have an example that you can share where you worked with an organization and they were just, you know, you got a bunch of the eye rollers in there saying, oh, I can't believe we're going to do this. And maybe talk about what happened after you played the game and how you debriefed and and got that buy-in. Because that's what everybody wants to know right now. I feel like this is is that secret sauce that, that hopefully 
Gary Ware can bottle for us and share with the world right now? Yeah. So first and foremost, it's all about having a third party facilitator come in. Reason being is that when you have, especially in a virtual environment, I've noticed when you have someone like a boss or a leader doing it, sometimes people are just like sort of going through the motions. Oh, my boss is telling me to do this. All right, let me do this. When you see the boss doing it, that means everyone is together. Everyone is playing together. Then you really start to get that psychological safety. So that's the big thing. Everyone needs to be doing it. It's not like, uh, hey, boss, uh, you know, boss says do it and boss is just off off camera doing something else. Everyone needs to be in it together. That's the first thing. The example is I was working with this financial organization. So these are people that are dealing with high net worth individuals. Mm -hmm. They're helping them with investments and stuff like that. Time is money. Time is money. But they needed some sort of enrichment. They hadn't seen each other in person in months. Stress levels were, you know, through the roof. And I was brought in to help them, one, connect to work on communication, and three, what are some strategies that they can do to help them just improve their relationships with their clients? So those were the learning objectives um, of the session. I came in, and of course, I hadn't met any of them prior to this moment. So we had half of them off camera. Some were on camera like, what is going on? I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, is this going to be the one time where it's not going to work? I followed the protocol, just like what I said. I, I just laid the stage and, and I was completely honest. And, and I was, I admit my own vulnerability. I was like, you know, I'm a little nervous about this. You know, y'all are some very, you know, powerful individuals. And I know that you probably have a lot of other things that you could be doing that could probably be generating a lot of money right now. But let's be honest. We all need some moment to connect. So I just, again, was completely mm-hmm. honest. I was completely vulnerable. and. What I did, the first game that I did was a really fun game that allowed everyone to connect and see that we were more like than not. And that game is called True For Me. And so what, and this is a little secret to get people on camera. So FYI, <laughs> if you're listening, this is a really fun game to get people start starting to interact and then you start to see them. And so I said, for this game, I'm just going to name some states. And in order for you to play the game, I'm going to need you to come on camera, but then cover cover your, your camera with your hand. And if anything, any of these statements are true for you, take your hand off, look mm. around, maybe give it like a thumbs up and then just cover your camera again. Can we, can we agree to do that? It's just a simple game. And then, uh, then, all right, people started coming on camera. They were like, folks, like, what is this guy? What are we doing? And then I would ask questions like, how many of you are, are morning people? If this is true for you, you know, two people, night owls, you know, and then I would start to ask questions. How many of you have started to be more fond of, of stretchy clothing? Any, any, any uh, people like that, you know, there a few others, any people, you know, then I'll ask things about pets and stuff like that. And so then you get these, again, very serious individuals starting to like let their guard down. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow. Oh, we're starting. Yeah. I'm more like them, you know? And then, so I gradually ramp up the questions. And then I started asking a little bit more sort of personal questions. You know, how many people have lost a loved one? How many of you have felt betrayed by someone? You know, things like that. And, and I said in the upfront, I said, we don't have any lie detectors. <laughs> you take care of yourself. You know, if you don't feel like you want to answer a question or anything like that, you don't have to. And so we went through that. And then in the debrief, I asked, how many of you feel a little bit more closer to your colleagues now? And they can't, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true for me. But that was like 
the grounding that was like getting everyone on the same page. And from there, then I started to do more of the curriculum, but now I have some focus. Now I have that buy-in and that's one of the things with play is you can't force people to play. You can invite them to play. You could, you know, create a, what I call like a sandbox, a little playground for people to play. And if they accept the invitation, some magic can happen. Wow. I love that. You know, as you were to say, I was a little cynical myself, but as you gave that example, I could envision and almost feel that sense of intimacy that that team was getting of senior, probably mostly men, you know, were, were getting. And I, I liked the way that you leveraged the technology, you know, in a fun way, you know, putting your, putting your hand up. And I also agree that you can't, you know, this has to be a pull. You can't push, push people to do it. So thank you for that. It's a really good, good example. And I think a set of steps that, that, that people can follow to, to give it a try. And what also struck me was this example combined with the five things in the purse example, what both those things did in addition to get people to relax and connect and hopefully laugh a little bit was both those games enabled people to form probably connections with their colleagues that they didn't know existed. And they will continue to sort of reap the benefits of that, you know, days, weeks, months, years, years to come which is probably part of the performance piece, you know, how it increases performance over time. Yes. Agreed. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I really, I like that. All right. So, you know, p- some people are going back to the office. You know, I just worked with a company that had gotten rid of their office and they're, they're going to get together once a month. Some are saying three days, some are fully, re- I mean, it's, as I'm sure, you know, literally all over the map. Do you have any perspective on, you know, if you, if a company called you and said, okay, I want you to design a day on the one day a month that people come into the office, you know, how, how are you thinking about that? Because, you know, you want to get certain kinds of work done, but you also want time to connect. Yes. And how, with the companies that I'm working with, how they're looking at their office is almost like a clubhouse, you know, since we're using the play analogies yep. of, you know what, we're all together hey, this is going to be the time where we're going to connect. This is the time when we are going to do things that are more experiential so that when we disperse, we can be more productive. We will feel like, hey, we made those connections. And right now I'm actually planning a half-day retreat with a, a few companies where they're going into the office. So they spend most of their time remote. They're going into the office and the way that these sessions are set up are a mix of experiential activities, like, you know, some of the games that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Each of the games have, I like to call them a, a Trojan horse. They're inherently fun. They're inherently silly. They create that psychological safety because we're, we're doing some weird and wacky things. But then when we debrief them, we start to realize, because I have this belief, how you play anything is how you do anything. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so how you show up in this game probably leaves clues to how you work or how you interact with people. And then it creates a dialogue and it, it opens the door for a dialogue where we can talk about, oh, wow, multitasking doesn't work. And when I'm multitasking, I'm actually letting my team down because I'm missing an opportunity to have their back. Right. I have this, this game that, especially with 
high competitive people. I really prey on their competitiveness. A lot of these games, I you don't realize that I got you sucked in because I will make you feel like you're competitive, like you can do this game. And you have no idea that three steps ahead, you're going to fall into a big trap. And this game in particular is all about multitasking Mm -hmm. and how we can't multitask. And I set people up for failure. And then we have a discussion about that, especially for the people who want to prove me wrong. Like, this is science. Like, it's, it's science that your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. And I set you up in an environment where you're forced to focus on multiple things at a time. And then you're sort of quizzed on your ability to do the one thing I told you to do. And you fail like you, you, because it's not even possible unless you cheat, even though, and then some people do cheat. And then I can say, Hey, for the people who got this completely correct, what did you do? Oh, I've, I only focused on this thing and I didn't do the other. Oh, interesting. But in the debrief, this is where we can have a discussion. And because we're doing it through the lens of the game, people are more open to like sharing things that, they wouldn't have shared had we've just had the discussion that you are multitasking and you're not paying attention. Right. Because most people get defensive. Well, and what I love about this is doing this together in person on the one day in the office, everybody then goes back home for the next however long. And hopefully they remember some of this because multitasking can really be detrimental to relationships, especially when you're all online trying to have a conversation with somebody and you can you know, see that they're typing or, or doing what they're doing. So, so that's great. I can't wait to hear more as, as you continue to work with these companies. And because I think we can all learn a lot. So I have two more, two more questions. One is a question that everybody on this podcast gets, you know, it's more on the personal side. And the question is, you know, what do you do in your life that makes you feel most like you? That has changed a lot for various reasons. One, I'm a dad to a four-year-old and I've gone through this pandemic, which has forced me to reevaluate everything. For me, the things that make me feel most like me are when I'm having moments of connection with someone and completely immersed in it. And so I've learned that it can be on Zoom. You know, you get the right sort of environment with the right sort of conversation with the right sort of people uh, like this. You know, you you get that, you get that high. Or it could be like on Sunday uh, with my four-year-old. So I, I have a morning sort of ritual where, you know, I, I call it my, you know, sort of daddy's powering up <laughs> because uh, it, take, it takes a lot uh, to do, you know, to, to parent and, and, and try to run a business and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's my, my daily ritual. And my, my son has like sort of been like sort of eyeing and he's been asking questions. And then on Sunday, he, because he said, I'm going to work out with you and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, well, if you're awake, you know, cool, you know, we can work out. And he did, he woke up and I was, it actually freaked me out because I'm like in meditation and all of a sudden I, you get that feeling that someone's watching you <laughs> and I'm trying to meditate. Meditating is already challenging enough. And I open my eyes and he's like right there, like in my face, like almost nose to nose. I'm like, Oh, hi. And then, so nonetheless, I, he said he wanted to participate. And so I used the headspace app and there's some kid meditations and we, we did all of my stuff and I modified for him and we did, he's really into like sort of fighting and rough and tumble plays. So we did like a, like a boxing workout. And again, that connection, you know, allowed me to feel more like myself. So anytime I can make a connection with someone and it can be over a cup of coffee, 
mm-hmm. or it could be plain catch, or it could be on a Zoom meeting where we're having some deep conversation. That helps. Great. I love that. And finally, I was wondering if we could do a little improv. Oh, yeah. I'm all about that. <laughs> so let's do a little. I can't even believe I'm proactively bringing this up, but let's do it. Yes. So I have a game uh, that I think you would like. Actually, you know what? Let's play the five things game since I mentioned it and people are probably curious. So, yes. Do you want to go first? Do you want to ask me a category? You mean I can ask you five things about anything? Yeah, you just ask it. So, Gary, name five blah, blah, blah. And you know, it could be any category. It doesn't even matter. Okay. Okay. Five things that are in your, whatever bag you bring, like when you go to work or when you go to a client, what are the five things that are in there? Five things that are in my travel bag. One, my uh, lotion from the the Hilton that I got in Portland because it smells good. Two, it is a picture of my son. Three, it is my AirPods. Four, it is my my lucky pen. And then five, uh, of course, is my laptop. Wow, good. Okay. So I guess now I have to answer that question. I probably should have thought of my answers before I asked it. Okay, so five things <laughs> that in my in my travel bag, I would say number one is my moleskin notebook, because I love to just take handwritten notes with a pen. Number two, I would also say my AirPods. Number three you know, some type of a, like a cozy, you know, blanket. If I'm, especially if I'm going on a plane or a train, just something really soft that I can bring with me in touch. Number five, number, was it? Number three, number four, again, I always have my laptop with me. The last one is, and I've learned this, that, that I always try to have some healthy, like healthy snacks with me because I've been in so many situations where there literally is no food or I bring, you know, a tea bag or something to, you know, doing what we both do, you, you have to maintain a lot of energy. And so making sure that you can have something, you know, in, in case you need it. Yay. There we go. There we go. You did a little improv. Um, yeah. I know I probably need some, need some work on that, but no, good. And you can see it's uh, and then that can then lead to, oh, you know, that would, that might be a good idea. Maybe when I do go on a trip, I should bring an actual picture of my family instead of just the ones on my phone and, you know, just how that can lead to so many different kinds of conversations. So Gary, thank you so much. And I will be thinking of this as I pack my next bag, which thankfully I am beginning to travel a bit and hopefully you are as well. I am. Good, good, good. All right. Well, be safe. And I look forward to staying in touch and hearing about all of these amazing things that you're doing. And and we all have so much to learn from you. So thank you again. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Left Door Own Devices. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you want to receive my monthly-ish update on all things human at work, or just want to say hello, email me at erica at ericakeswin.com. Stay safe, stay connected, and I'll see you soon.